Roadman, it's Monday. Welcome back to another Roadman podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about the crazy amount of bike racing that's going on at the moment. Look back at the Giro d'Italia, Liège, Baston Liège. Before we do, you know the drill. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to another Roadman Bites short form podcast. Happy Monday to all you good folks, wherever you are listening. Uh, it's a rainy, dreary October day in Dublin, Ireland, and I'm a little bit disorientated at the moment because the Giro d'Italia is just kicking off. We just finished Liège-Baston-Liège, which was epic, and I'm going to recap it in a moment. But yeah, it's October. I'm just about to take my winter break off the bike and chill out for a little bit, take a couple of weeks. I'm still going to ride the bike a little bit, but I'm not going to ride the indoor trainer. I'm not going to ride if it's raining. That feels to me like winter time. You know, the bad weather kicks in. I'm taking my winter break off the bike. It feels like winter. But then I turn on Eurosport and the cycling's on. It's playing havoc with my clock. It's like the equivalent of changing time zones at this year with COVID and this new calendar. It's wrecking my internal cycling clock. Guys, I want to talk today about the Giro. I want to talk about Liège-Bastogne-Liège. I think Mondays, at least for the rest of this season, I'm going to use them as a little bit of a recap. I'm not going to do a daily Giro d'Italia podcast. I just, I don't have the energy for it. And no, it's not even that I don't have the energy for it because I'm still going to bring you guys a daily podcast. It's more, I think there's topics out there that can help listeners more. I know we're all at different stages in this roadman journey where some of us are just coming into the sport and some of us are seasoned campaigners. And I like to think the podcast helps people out along the entire spectrum but the Giro d'Italia or the Tour de France podcasts they're flat out entertainment with less of the educational so I think given that the tour is just finished that I'm going to focus on prioritizing the educational rather than the entertainment and then we'll revisit it come the Vuelta we'll see uh, before I crack into the substantive part of the podcast, let me remind you all of how the podcast is funded. It's patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. If you're getting some value from the podcast, I would encourage you to head on over there and make a small contribution. If you buy me the price of a beer once a month as a thank you, it really helps this podcast move forward and make sure it's sustainable, gets us closer to our break even initial goal. And as a new added bonus, once a month, I'm bringing a secret episode. The secret episode, I just worked out the kinks on this and it's epic. So what's going on with the secret episode? You have your own private RSS feed. So it's a separate podcast that you can only get access to through Patreon. So I give you the unique RSS feed, which I'll change every month. And you get access to this as a podcast. So you don't have to sit by your computer and listen to it. You can stick it in, listen to it on training, listen to it on the go. We covered a rake of topics in the Secret Podcast this week from photobiomodulation to how to prevent saddle sores and a bunch of your training questions answered. Okay, it's Giro d'Italia. We are two stages in and today we're on to the third stage in Mount Etna. I want to recap briefly the last two stages. Then I want to move on to Liège-Baston-Liège. And then I want to talk about EF Education's jersey, Chris Froome getting dropped, his future. 
And I want to cram that all into a Roadman Short Form Bites podcast. So this is like Ready Steady Cook. Start your watches. Uh, we Giro d'Italia. We had a crazy course for the Giro d'Italia. It was basically an uphill first half and a downhill second half. The guys hit some crazy speeds. And I hope you're a follower of my predictions and got to the bookies with... Because I nailed that prediction. Philippe Ogana, he took the win. It was fairly obvious, but... Look, there's a lot of variables in this game. So for the world champion, an Italian to deliver in Sicily on the opening stage, it is Giro d'Italia to take the first Maglia Rosa. Maglia Rosa is the leader's race. We have the Moyer Jean in the Tour de France. We have the Maglia Rosa in the Giro d'Italia. And actually, this is a good place. I was going to leave this right till the end. But because we have a Maglia Rosa, a pink jersey as the leader of the race and not a yellow jersey like the Tour de France, EF Education Pro Cycling, who typically wear their pink and navy Rafa kit, decided to change up their kit. So they've done a collab with a street brand called Palace, and they've come up with a very funky jersey design with a duck. But they have been fine. So initially, they were being sound to the Giro d'Italia race organizers. They didn't have to do it, but it was a tip to the history and the culture of the race where they said, you know what, we're not going to wear pink. We feel like it takes away from the Maglia Rosa of the race. So we're going to move away from pink for a jersey for the race. And they had to submit this jersey to the UCI for approval. But apparently, their jersey submission deviated from the actual finished product. So they've taken a fine on the head for that. The jersey is out there. It's very polarizing. A lot of people absolutely hate it. I actually think it's quite funky, but beyond that, I think the main thing that it's doing is it's got me on the podcast talking about it. It's got you listening to it and now sharing this with buddies. It's got people talking. It's got that awareness. It's got that publicity. Now, it hasn't got that publicity for EF Education because they're barely visible on the jersey. So if I'm EF Education, the title sponsor, I don't know, maybe they've taken a backseat in terms of funding for the race, but if nothing's changed, I wouldn't be happy with that. One would assume it went through proper channels and they cleared it and were happy with it, but it's a pretty funky jersey with ducks and shit on it and they've done the helmets up and the bikes up like that. Rafa's always a company that's kind of cutting edge on these designs and they are a great one of the great success stories in our industry, so it's, it's cool to see this innovation because the jerseys have typically been a little bit boring. So... Philippe Bogana is in the Maglia Rosa. But the big story is Garant Thomas. Garant Thomas took a big, big chunk out of a lot of his rivals. Like 20 odd seconds out of Yates, but some of his bigger rivals, you would argue, are Fuglesang and Nibli. And he took over a minute out of them in a TT. Like there was only 15 kilometers of time trial, and he's taken a minute out of them. Now think about there's 63 kilometers total time trialing this year's Giro d'Italia. So if you're to do the maths on that, that's over five minutes if you assume he's going to take the same amount of time out of them in coming, which is a big assumption in coming rate, in coming uh, TTs. That's total five minutes that they're going to have to find on him in the high mountains, which is crazy. And also, he's a big momentum shift. He's gone from the guy who was, you know, looked over for selection for the Tour de France, unfairly in my opinion, and we talked about this a lot during the Tour de France podcast, but isn't there a way to respond to adversity? Isn't there a way to respond to criticism? And I've actually just started watching, after being nagged by so many people to watch The Last Dance on Netflix, I'm not much of a TV man, uh, I've started getting into Netflix and watching it, and you know, obviously Michael Jordan is one of the great champions of all time, and 
when you look at how Grant Thomas has responded to being looked over by Dale's, Dave Brailsford for selection for the Tour de France, he could have went on the pace. He could have said, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to go shopping around for a contract. I'm a Tour de France winner. He didn't. He's in the twilight of his career as well. I think he's 35 years old, 34 years old. Uh, and it, it pains me to say twilight of career because, you know, he's younger than me. So, yeah, that, that is painful. But look, that's the way we go. Uh, you go from being the young lad to the old lad on the team very fast. But he rolled up his sleeves. He got stuck in. And he said, you know what? I'm going to fucking show you. I'll show you what I'm capable of. I'll show you when I, why I won the Tour de France. I'll show you why I'm an Olympic gold medalist. And that's what he's done. And he's taken a massive, massive step already towards claiming the Giro d'Italia. And when you look at the bad luck that Fuglesang and Team Astana have had, in the first two days, like with Lopez having an almost comical crash in the TT, where he went to change from the aero skis into holding the bars, hit a pothole at the same time, lost control of the bike, and went careering into the barrier, out on stage one. And then we had the other co-leader, Vlasov, today feeling sick and climbing off the bike. So now Fuglesang is the sole leader of Astana, but he has no team, so he can't take the jersey. We've Mount Etna today, which is the first real test. We're still down on the island of Sicily, the first real test. It's one of the really iconic climbs in world cycling. So if you get a chance today, tune in definitely to the last 10, 15 kilometers of that because it's epic. Honestly, I'm rooting for Grant Thomas. And it's not often I'm rooting for one of the Ineos Grenadiers, but he feels to me like a wounded animal. He feels like the underdog. He's a Welsh lad. I love Grant. He's humble. He's funny. He's charismatic. He's a great bike rider. And he's a chip on his shoulder. And I always think a champion with a fucking chip on his shoulder, it's a dangerous thing. And that's what we have, a wounded animal. So I'd love to see Grant Thomas win the Giro. And I'd actually love to see him win it by a huge margin. To just signal his intent for next season. That don't look over me as the team leader. You know, it's not all about Carapaz and Bernal. I can still... I can still represent at the highest level of the sport. And that's why it pained me today to watch Chris Froome. You know, obviously I'm like everyone else. I love I love this arc people have in their careers. And when someone is has that momentum and they're three-time, four-time, five-time defending Tour de France champion, you want to see the apple cart upset. No one likes to see that dominance. But then when they have a setback and they're the underdog, we all love this comeback story. Like... I'm not sure who said it. It was a podcast I heard. And humans, we love this idea of someone doing well. But what we love a lot more than somebody doing well is somebody that does well, then fucks it all away, and then comes back and does well again. That's what we absolutely love. And that's what I'm hoping for Chris Froome. But the five-time Tour de France champion, it's not looking good for him. He was dropped with 100k to go in Liège-Bastogne-Liège today. I'm going to leave it out there and you guys can answer me. Is Chris Froome ever going to get back to his previous level? I don't know. I just don't know. Even if Froome, no matter where he is in his training block, even if he's on a training spin on training wheels, you don't expect a great champion like him to get dropped with 100 kilometers to go. You just don't. So I, I fear for Froome at the moment. I really do. And he's one of the good guys at the Peloton as well. So yeah, Froome, uh, I, I hope you recover fast and I hope you get back to that level soon because at the moment it's not looking great for his Vuelta challenge. What's super interesting with this uh, sort of bubble setup we have and teams being isolated is we have essentially the same cast today for Liège-Bastogne-Liège. And anyone who's not familiar with how these one-day classics work, we talked about last day how a three-week race like the Giro, it all plays out. The whole 
theater plays out over three weeks but in a one day race that's it it's all on the day it's first man across the line you've none of these confusing rules about mountains classifications sprints classifications it's just every man against each other first man across the line on that day wins we have the iconic one day races we had flesh Wallon last week we had liaise baston liege this week god willing we'll have paris roubaix another classic next week which is a little bit up in the air and tour of flanders these are some of our classics that we typically see in the spring but because of the messed up calendar this year what we're seeing is the same cast of riders in this bubble from tour de france to worlds to flesh wallon and now to liege baston liege so at the business end of this race we had a cast of characters which from the tour de france daily podcast we are super familiar with we had our former under 23 world champion tour de france stage winner Sunweb's mark hershey we had our current world champion julien the housewife's favourite, Alaphilippe. We had Roglic, who blew so catastrophically in La Plata de Belfi on the final time trial. And we had the young champion, the great Tajay Pogaccia. We had these four dueling it out into the finish. Four guys in a sprint. Just, you know, there's no tactics left in this one. And it's just Mano against Mano, four of them coming to the line. I was expecting the two fast guys. Alaphilippe and Hershey to actually cancel each other out and to watch each other and I was expecting Roglic to take a flyer and take the win. Roglic did take the win but in very unexpected fashion. We had Alaphilippe opening up a sprint, deviating from his line, nearly wiping out Mark Hershey who came unclipped and he would have won it for me. He wins flesh last week, he would have won this. It would have been an unbelievable, you know, Tour de France stage, flesh will on, Liège, Baston, Liège. I don't know if any rider has won a Tour de France stage in those two classics in the same year. But it wasn't to be because Alaphilippe deviated, took Hershey out of it. It looked Alaphilippe's to win. It was Alaphilippe's to win. He had it. He celebrated. Like, this is one of the first things I'm saying to guys when I'm coaching them all the time. You sprint past the line. You don't sprint for the line. You sprint five yards past the line. Alaphilippe, it's a schoolboy error from the world champion. He sprinted short of the line and he threw his hands up. And Roglic, the great champion, sprinted past the line, threw the bike. Roglic dips him on the line. It was insane television. Some of the best last 10 kilometers of racing I've seen in a long time. But what's really interesting at the moment is this: we have the four protagonists still at the front of the bike race, but it's flipped. You've Hershey and Alaphilippe, the two specialists at these super long one-day races who are actually stronger than Pogaccia and Roglic. So they're the guys that are the antagonists. They're the guys who are pushing it on at the key points. Alaphilippe was actually relegated uh, for his sprint, for that deviation. So, you know, deservedly so, but it's just a bad day all around. I'm not going to get into discussing the course of the rainbow jersey. Is it real? Is it not? Maybe it's discussion for another day. But what a weekend of bike racing from Liège-Baston-Liège to the Giro. And a tip of the cap to Eurosport for probably the worst piece of coverage I've ever seen of a sporting event. This would be the equivalent of televising a penalty shootout in the Champions League final. And as the fifth penalty is about to be shot, they cut to the tennis. They've Roglic, they've Alaphilippe. It's a photo finish. No one knows what's going on. Alaphilippe has his hands in the air. Roglic dips it on the line. It looks like Roglic has won, but Alaphilippe is celebrating. Cuts to the two lads. Alaphilippe's confused. Roglic is confused. We're waiting, bated breath, going, oh my God, what's going to happen? It cuts to the tennis. Are you joking me, Eurosport? Get your shit together. Eurosport's coverage, it's so frustrating at times. 
the breakaway show used to be brilliant and now they've relegated it to you know seven o'clock showing after a race finishes at three o'clock like no one wants to watch the interviews four hours later they really don't you know even i'm the most diehard cycling fan and i can't bring myself to watch that whatever's going on at eurosport at the moment that's around for another day Folks, I think I pulled it off. I think I pulled it off in a short, condensed Roadman Bites podcast. We jeered Italia. We liaise Baston Liege. And before I go, a final reminder to check out that Patreon or patreon.com. Uh, we're heading into the winter months and I really want to keep this podcast. It's been amazing so far. It's been a whirlwind. I've got to chat to some of the best riders in the world and have some awesome ones lined up for the coming weeks. But it's one of these, help me help you. If you're getting value from it, I'd please ask you to go to Patreon. The link is in the bio. Buy me the price of a beer once a month. It supports the podcast. It's a small amount of cash for you, but it really, really matters for the podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. And you know what? I'm going to be back tomorrow and every other day this week. Chat to you then. Right safe out there, roadman. Hey everybody, it's Anthony again. Really quick, I want to invite you to join arguably the best thing I've ever put out inside the Roadman community. It's a challenge. It's a challenge called the 14-day Kickstart Challenge. So regardless of where your fitness is at right now, this is going to be the catalyst for making you faster and making you leaner. I've created this challenge to take the guesswork out of everything. It's 14 days of training plans, regardless of what your level is. There's masters, beginner, advanced. There's meal plans, shopping list, and even a video course holding your hand and talking you through it all. So what I recommend you do right now is just stop everything, press pause on this audio, and go to roadmancycling.com forward slash 14 day, or check out the link in the bio. That's roadmancycling.com slash 14 day.